it's lovely to see you this morning. A particular welcome to Nudran and her team of mentors, uh, who will be sharing with us uh, a little bit later about the work that they've been doing under the Redeeming Our Communities banner. This is all about family mentoring, and as I said, a bit later in the service, we'll hear a bit about that. Thank you for coming, friends. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, we look forward to hearing from you in due course. Uh, let's hear from God's word. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash round his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. We pick up uh, the theme of those few verses as we sing our opening song together, Behold the Lord upon His throne. If you're able, please stand. I think this, is, this song is quite new to us. I did a straw poll in the week and I, I didn't know it and a few other people didn't know it either. If you do, that's great. If you don't, we're going to teach it very quickly. And I may have subliminally piped it into your minds before the service started as well. So we'll do, we'll do the first verse in chorus and then we'll loop back and do the first verse in chorus again. I'm looking at the guys. Yeah, cool. First verse in chorus and then first verse again, please. <coughs> it's very straightforward, okay?
Well, we're so thankful that we can be together in this place once again, and uh, thankful to be enjoying fellowship together. We know that one or two are accessing online still, and we include them uh, in our worship and in our praise. Give you thanks uh, that we're able to be together and apart still. But united in our worship, united in our love for you and in our desire to serve. And as we come into the presence of the Holy One, we become very aware of just who we are and how far short we fall of your glory, Lord. We come really very, very aware of how far short we have fallen. So we come saying sorry for the things that we have said and done and thought which are contrary to your desire for us. And in fact, you know, it may well be that some of the things that we have said and thought and done over these past few days, well, they brought no glory to you. And if they were to be widely known, they would bring nothing but shame to us. So with your help, we will lay down those things. Uh, we will uh, begin again with you. We're so thankful that you are faithful and just. And that when we come confessing our wrongdoing, uh, you forgive. On the basis of what you have done, Jesus, on the cross. All of our sin is dealt with. All of our wrongdoing done away with. So we're thankful, grateful to the bottom of our hearts that we can come, we can confess, and we can begin again with you. Draw near to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, I want, to, uh, I want to talk to you about a fellow called Gilbert White. There should be a slide up there that says, who is Gilbert White? There will be in a minute. So, does anybody know who Gilbert White is? Ah, there he is. No. Um, does anybody know who David Attenborough is? Yes. Who's David Attenborough? He's a broadcaster, isn't he? Uh, and he's interested in nature and the world and climate and all that good stuff, isn't he? Um, he would know who Gilbert White is. Have you heard of Charles Darwin? Oh, yes, we've heard of Charles Darwin. Good. Charles Darwin, uh, author of uh, Origin of Species uh, and that whole sort of notion of evolution and uh, that scientific approach. Charwin uh, knew who Gilbert White was. And in fact, Charles Darwin uh, would acknowledge a debt to Gilbert White. So who's Gilbert White? Let's have a picture of him. Uh, is that a true representation of Gilbert White? Probably not. Uh, <clears throat> but um, Gilbert White was around in the 18th century. He was born, I think, in 1720. 
Uh, and he lived uh, at a place called Selborne in Hampshire, which is still there. Actually, we've got a picture of that as well. Look at that. House and Gardens. You can actually visit that place, Selborne, uh, in Selborne. Uh, it's a, a museum now. The House and Gardens are a museum to Gilbert White. Uh, Gilbert White was a clergyman. He was an Anglican clergyman. Uh, but he was so taken with the world around him that he spent ages and ages in his garden watching uh, everything that went on in it, looking at it in detail, recording in detail everything that he saw. Uh, and he wrote down everything that he saw. Every bird that visited his garden, he wrote it down. Every insect that was in his garden, he wrote it down. Every plant that grew in his garden, he wrote it down. Uh, he is sometimes uh, acknowledged as the father of modern ecology. Uh, all this stuff that he wrote down uh, has been collected together. He used to write uh, regularly letters to a friend with all of these observations. Uh, and it was published as a book. All of these letters have been gathered together and they were published as a book called The Natural History of Selborne. It was first published in 1789 by his brother. Uh, I've got another picture. Have I nice somewhere? Yeah. Give me another picture. There we are. Uh, that's uh, a stained glass window in Selborne Church which is uh, commemorating uh, Gilbert White. It's a picture, the picture is St. Francis because he very often uh, gets linked with St. Francis as well. Uh, and there are all sorts of interesting things to see. Again, if you go down to Selborne, Hampshire, you can go into the church and see that stained glass window. Uh, and it has all sorts of things in it, including uh, a picture of a tortoise, because he had a tortoise called Timothy. And again, uh, the activity of Timothy the tortoise is recorded uh, in the natural history of Selborne. Uh, as we say, published, first published in 1789, uh, it is the fourth longest constantly in print book. You can buy that book today. Go into any bookseller and say, please can I have a copy of The Natural History of Selborne by Gilbert White, and they will be able to get it for you. Uh, the only three books in front of it that have been published longer are The Bible, Works of Shakespeare, and Pilgrim's Progress. Gilbert White is a really important character if you're interested in the world around you. If you're interested in climate change, uh, then Gilbert White uh, is part of your heritage. He was like the beginning of looking at nature in its context. Uh, lots of people uh, were interested in nature, but they would look at dead things. Gilbert White looked at everything while it was alive and in its context. And he looked at the way everything fitted together. And he was very interested in all of that. Why am I telling you about Gilbert White? Because there is a, a popular strand in our thinking in this country that says, if you want to be seriously interested in science, then you, know, you can't really seriously be Christian as well. Somehow or other, we've got into that way of thinking that says, well, science and 
faith, particularly Christian faith, are opposed to one another. They are not. There is a long, long history uh, of uh, theologian scientists. Uh, when you go home, if you've got access to the internet, look at Gilbert White. See what he did. Uh, find the Natural History website. Have a look at what they have to say about Gilbert White. The Reverend Gilbert White. Is he any relation to me? No. I wish I could say at the end of all of this, and he is my great, great, great... No, he's not. Nothing to do with me at all. But I have been to his house. I have been to the gardens a long time ago now. And it is a fascinating and beautiful place to visit. So if you're interested in science, if you... I mean, Jane Sellers, bless her, when she writes to families, when she's been writing to families over lockdown, very often she'll say, oh, there's a survey on uh, about finding things in your garden. Because even now, today, uh, the Natural History Museum and other groups are keen to encourage citizen scientists, aren't they? Go into your garden, garden and count the number of insects, count the number of butterflies, count the number of bees. This is standing in the tradition of Gilbert White. So, Gilbert White, Charles Darwin, David Attenborough, Jane Sellers. We're in exalted company. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for all of your goodness towards us. And we count the created order in that. It is remarkable, absolutely remarkable, the diversity of all that you've made and created. Help us to look carefully and to value all that you have made. Amen. We're going to hear from God's Word. A reading from Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. Life in God's service. Said then, my brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, dedicated to his service and to pleasing him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. And because of God's gracious gift to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you should. Instead, be modest in your thinking and judging yourself according to the amount of faith that God has given you. We have many parts in one body, and all these parts have different functions. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in union with Christ, and we are all joined together as different parts of one body. So we have to choose our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message, we should do it according to the faith that we have. If it's to serve, we should serve. If it's to teach, we should teach. If it's to encourage others, we should do so. Whoever shares with others should do it generously. Whoever has authority should work hard. Whoever shows kindness to others should do it cheerfully. If it is to encourage others, 
that's the link from the word into what you do, friends. We'll come to that in a little while. Uh, let us stand and sing together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And at the end of this song, I will receive the offering.
sing together once again, so do please stand if you're able. Uh, O Father of the fatherless, in whom all families are blessed. I love the way you father me. Stand and sing.
that's that's where we we started from just building on on the trust and the friendship which is very important because i realized that based on that she was able to open up a lot and it was also easy for us to then go through the process which then at the end of what we chased was a very positive outcome and um it wasn't necessarily telling her what to do but i think the when i say no it was just the imagination it wasn't telling her really what to do but i think she was looking at it as what would rachel say to that or would she think is what she made <laughs> now we were all told in our training that once you become you've been assigned as a purposeful friend uh, with this adult um, who normally ends up being the mother, the caregiver, main caregiver of the family, you then journey with them weekly. And along the way, you ask that magic wand question. And I, I wonder what sort of answers you were expecting to hear, Judy, when you asked the magic wand question. Do you know when we said what 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 would you want to change that one thing? I'll give you a bit of time to think about it. You know that the magic wand question was the one thing that they wanted to change. One of the difficulties that we have really is that um, in the main, most of the time, our lives let's say your life and my life, is pretty much sorted. Of course we have major hiccups along the way, but pretty much we've got it under control. The pandemic has wrecked, absolutely wrecked many, many lives. And one of the things that has come out as a, a huge issue from the pandemic is the issue of loneliness. Now, this is a Christian family. Christians should have no truck with loneliness. Christians should not be lonely people. But there are nevertheless lonely people out there in their droves. So when you ask this magic question, which is if there's one thing, you know, if there's one thing that you wanted to come out of, of our mentoring, what would that be? My person said she wanted to know how to love. She wanted to know how to love. Now that took really some significant unpacking because it was such an alien start point. And she's not a Christian. And it turned out that her concept of love was actually very, very different to mine, and I suspect very different to yours, and led to some amazing conversations. We, maybe we do meet people regularly, but very often we meet people um, whose, whose point of contact with us is actually very slight. Because their, their way of lives, or the way they live, or whatever, is so very different to ourselves. And making that connection with them, I would argue, is hugely, hugely important. I think when I first started my interaction with my mentee, um, I quickly realized that she had a lot of issues on the table. Um, it was quite difficult to know where to start. Um, to start with, she's recently been separated from her spouse and she also had some health issues going. Um, she had a disabled child 
um, she was studying as well, which was in itself um, quite big, and um, she wanted to become a teaching assistant. And she was also working part-time. Um, and all of this together, it was quite hard to know where to start with her. And, and so that posed the question, because um, what would you want to get out of all of this? Because um, as I said before, the, the um, program itself, although the objective at the end of it is to help someone become the best that they can be, um, it's not necessarily dwelling too much on, on the task per se, but just building, being there for them as a friend. And it's also about the being, that means being there with them in that space, whether physical or remotely via Zoom, and, and just helping them along the journey. And so one thing she said to me was, um, I just want more time. If only I could have an extra time in the day, just just to be able to do you know, what I want to do. So as, as I said before, she had so much going, and it, it, it left her in a state of despair, it, it left her overwhelmed, and sometimes deflated. And, and for the first couple of weeks, it was all about listening to her, listening to her needs, listening to the conversation, listening, just listening and just offering that listening ear. And so um, we eventually narrowed it down to certain time management. And the reason being that she was struggling and being able to submit her assignment on time, and that was very overwhelming for her. So she was panicking all the time. And it left her no time for her own personal care. So that means everything put together was quite difficult for me. And, and so, yeah, the, the magic one question was an aspect of something totally different. I thought it would be more as the um, focus on, on some of the program was um, maybe financial issues or some of them had substance abuse or just integration anxiety and as John said there was a lot of loneliness playing a part in it but for health more time and um, I came back to Ludra and like what are we going to do I can't give her more time but Rachel even if you have so much time in the day there's so much you can do you still end up feeling it and so yeah we worked around it and we worked on the motto of working smarter not harder and it, it did pay off in the end Julia yeah. I'm going to come to you because um, the mentee you had really struck me. First, because she's exactly the same age as my son. But your mentee has two children. She's beautiful. She seems so kind. And she responds to kindness with tears. It was so close to the surface that every time, or any time anyone said something kind and it was you and me, the slightest thing, she would respond in tears. What is the trouble? Well, in the training, I sort of got a, an impression of what sort of client we might be talking to. And then I met the lady that I was assigned to and I found she was completely different from what we've been prepared for. Um, she, she's young and, as Nudrak says exactly, vivacious, quite um, uh, very intelligent, very proactive. She's not sitting there in depression wondering what she can do. No, she uh, it was um, talking about the magic uh, <laughs> question. We didn't really 
get round to that until we got deeper into things, and then we gradually worked, I gradually worked out what was the real problem, if you see, or one of, one of the real problems. Uh, but she had so many problems, but she tackled them all with great vigour and enthusiasm, and the first several weeks I'd go away and think, oh, I wonder what, yes, you know, identified this thing. I come back next week, oh, I've solved that. Yes, we're doing this, this, this. That's all right, done that. Okay. <laughs> and so we gradually got on to the deeper issues. Um, and we definitely made progress on those, those over the time. Sorry, that's not really... No, you're not really answering the question. No, no, you are. But I, I think we can share some of the truth that we discovered. We share information about people who are part of our Milton Keynes community who live around us and we wouldn't know. We're not sharing names particularly because we want to keep that anonymity to protect them. But there are certain facts you need to know about this young lady which struck me and which obviously um, had affected her life. Do you want to say something about her childhood? Um, I discovered that she'd got considerable relationship problems within her family. Um, she, she feels as though she was abused as a child. I didn't inquire what this abuse might be because that's not the purpose. The purpose is to just say, yes. And uh, one week she appeared quite down and tearful and after a bit she said oh the rest of the family has just gone on holiday and they didn't invite me they didn't they just deliberately left me out and my cousin was going who who I get on with ever so well he's really like a brother to me but his wife doesn't like me and so since he got married his wife has prevented any contact between us and another little cousin that would have been, that is the same age as her elder child. They, they really get on well, and they would have loved playing together, and that was also denied to her. So she was, um, family-wise, that was very difficult for her. She also was convinced that she had some health issues, some mental health issues. Um, which needed proper diagnosis. And during the process which um, Judy took on, um, Judy stayed a few extra weeks just so that this particular young lady could go through the diagnosis. And um, she has had a positive diagnosis, ADHD, which now we think that has probably affected her all her life. She's gone through schooling, etc., etc., and no one has been able to um, diagnose that, and therefore it has affected her and her children and her relationships. And the one fact that absolutely blew me away was the number of jobs she'd had in one year. Is it something like 19? Not in one year, but she's, she's not very old. She? She's not, yes. <laughs> so during, during our, our ten weeks or so, she got another job and lost that as well. <laughs> it's just amazing. 
Um, she said, oh, I'm, I'm very good at getting jobs, but in this case, because of physical illness, she kept fainting. Um, so she was often on leave and sick leave, and that was it after a few weeks. I gave up with her. So she lost that job as well. Um, so some of these medical problems were not imaginary, but maybe worse than she feared. Um, and so she was in a, a constant position of fighting the medical services to try and get some treatment or at least some recognition that this is something that's the matter with her. Um, so it's one, one series of battles after another. That's why she was so good at solving problems because she's got some real problems. <laughs> um, anyway, this, we, we got on very much very uh, well with just listening, just by listening to her and thinking about what she was saying. I said, oh, towards the end, I said, I don't think you're mentally ill at all. You've got various things and that, various problems, <coughs> but you're completely sane, and you now are in a position of knowing, starting to know who you are. And that that was the really big question, and we were both in tears that session. I'm telling you, <laughs> but that that was the real breakthrough. Does any of this? sort of prompt you and remind you of the things that you've been through with your particular mentees? My, my particular mentee, and you'll see, see the range of people with whom we're dealing. A uh, single parent, her husband uh, died unexpectedly. Uh, two years after that, she was diagnosed with cancer, although it was sorted out. She has two children, um, one very young, uh, six now, uh, the other one at the age 12. Her husband died when her six-year-old was less than a year old, so didn't really know her father. The boy, angry young man, angry young man, where's his father gone, why has he been left? The girl now is worried as she grows old that her mother is going to die and she's going to be left and you've got the picture of, of, of these two children really asking questions and being in a position that children should not be in. This is not, not where children should be. And she herself, with absolutely nobody with whom she can discuss the issue. If you take the partner away, that's the person with whom you would discuss the, the issues of bringing up children. So, so bless her, she's been, been alone. And, and, and all I really wanted to do was introduce her to Jesus. But that, of course, we, we, is not what we're about in the first instance. So, so that's been very, very hard because you know I believe that had she been a member of a church and had she been integrated and had she been uh, had she known the Lord Jesus Christ, then a lot of her questions would already be being answered. But because she's isolated, alone, um, and she's Chinese, um, not that makes it worse, but the family it makes it worse. As far as the family is largely uh, in China, and so there's a, there are cultural issues there. Um, and suddenly you find, you think, wow, you know, poor lass, and, and it leaves you with the power of prayer, certainly. 
but um, yeah. I'm just wondering, were there any questions that you really dreaded asking your mentees? Because as you got to know them, that oh, I really don't want to ask him or her this. Or were there questions that you really wish you had asked? We can have silence, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that there was a particular question I wanted to ask, but I think I did mention before that my mentee, um, she did suffer um, a bit of low self-esteem because of her circumstances. And um, she also had a lot of self-pity. She felt sorry for herself a lot of the time. Um, and, and for that reason, when we first started interacting with the program, most of the time I spent listening to her was just about her pulling herself down. Obviously, the program is based on a strength-based approach to encourage, to empower you know, you know, your mentee and help them to make positive choices. And, and, and also, you know, um, and just encourage them to be strong. Um, and to be resilient. So there wasn't particularly a question, but I got to a point where um, along the program I realized we needed to have some, I wouldn't say difficult conversation, but we needed to sort of empower her and get her, because obviously she had some great qualities, like I said, this thing what she was doing. She was hardworking, she was very determined, um, and she kept going at it when we, she would have problems on her course, or just say everything had gone remote, and she was learning to navigate that. And she'd have problems just accessing courses. And she, there was a lot going on, and she had every right to stay in there, remain in her you know, low self-esteem, and to be depressed, and to be bashed up. But it got to a point where we needed to get out of it, and just get, get her going strong, and to leave her at the end of the project, being able to make decisions and to be empowered. So that, that for me was where, but like, at what point do we get in here? Um, and so um, I prayed about it, and this, this is one of the things that I enjoyed being on the rock program, is the fact that it's embedded in a sort of faith and prayer. And so um, when I first started, I didn't know what I could even do it in the first place, and so I asked God to, you know, um, give me you know, the, the boldness to be able to take Take, take it on and to be able to do what needs to be done at every stage. So I prayed about it and we, we had some of these difficult conversations. Some of them were born out of you know personal insights and uh, personal experience and, and, and I really thank God that we did have that conversation because within by the next session or so I, I saw a totally different person and I'm sure you would attest to that having had a conversation at the start with her before introducing it. She was really positive, she had a different outlook to life, she was going at it and even I'm, I'm not saying that that sort of shut everything down all the and um, sort of changed her overnight. She would be able to have a conversation at the start and she'll have all her reservations, she'll have issues and she would talk about them and then she'll say, ah well and then it just turns you know, it just changes, the tone changes, and she's full of alternatives. Okay, this isn't working, I'm sure I can do this. Oh, I'm sure I've got time, but if I'm good to this point, this would have sorted it out. And it was really great to see because then it helped with overall um, state of mind. Her, you know, it, it helped her get on with things, and she was very happy. And, and she was doing things, for instance, one of the things that she missed doing because she didn't have time on her hands and everything going on, 
she, she enjoyed reading and um, along the way she was going to the library with her children every weekend. She, she was picking books and she was making time for herself as a person and that, that in itself was, was very positive on her well-being and her state of mind. I just share very briefly something with you that I think actually is, is very important. People, a lot of people, and there may be people in this room of whom this is also true, have very low self-esteem. That's to say their view of themselves is really profoundly inaccurate and down here somewhere. And one of the things that this, the Rock program does is enable, so to speak, an external observer to arrive upon the scene and make very, very different judgments about the person with whom we are talking. To hear, and this is the bit I want to share with you, when someone hears for the first time that they're able to do something, or that they're doing a good job, or that, yeah, you handled that really, really well. Hearing that for the first time. Yeah, and the only sign that if, if you take one thing away from, from what we're sharing this morning, that's the message I wanted to share. That the power you have to encourage people by what you say and how you treat them. Because you don't know. You don't know how they are viewing themselves. But our experience would tell us that there are a lot of people out there, and there may well be people here in this congregation, whose view of themselves is actually not the truth. And that is what the devil's game in part is. We as Christians need to understand that. that the devil is keen to encourage that self, uh, that poor self-image. And we as Christians should have no truck with that. I, I would say similarly to what the other two were saying that there are no horrible questions that you fear asking or anything like that. You, you get into, gradually into their world. You get to, to understand how they see things. And then in, encourage them and say, well, you, you did well there. And yes, but you know, if you think about it this way, Actually, that's that's positive, and um, it's just gentle and supportive. It's, it's a nice thing to do. The thing that struck me was the diversity of background we all come from. Um, you're retired, but you're busy enough that you really you're working full time. <laughs> You're working, you're retired but busy, um, I'm teaching, <coughs> but we all have things that people don't know about us. It's like an onion that you, layers that you peel off, layer after layer after layer, and then you get to the essence of who that person is, and I found that the people you've been mentoring were the same. A particular need is presented to me, I think, right, this will be great, let me match them up with this mentor or that mentor. And I broke rules, you were never supposed to get a female mentee. 
but I felt your own personal experience um, would be really valuable in helping your mentee, John. And that's what we found. There are just so many layers. You don't really get to the person until after you've befriended them and they've built up trust with you. That's plenty to scare us all and say, I can't do this, I haven't, I haven't got the answers for the questions. But the really unbelievable thing is, they don't want you to give answers. They really need just a friend, someone who's listening. And that's what you found, Judy, that, that your mentee was solving all the problems, as was yours. And John's mentee really just needed a little bit of encouragement. It, not false encouragement, but just a little bit of coming alongside um, and, and working through things. And the question that over time has been going round in my mind is, why should God feature in this process? It happens to be that the four of us are from church communities around Milton Keynes and represent four different churches. But actually anyone could have done it. Anyone in Milton Keynes could have done it. You don't have to belong to a church. So what is, why should God feature in this? And that's a question I want you to ponder yourself. And we'll just close with a prayer while we sit here for a couple of minutes. of gentleness and love. Draw near to us as we draw near to you. Dwell in every heart and conversation. Fashion us in the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to discern together all that you are calling us to be and all that you are calling us to do. Assist us by your spirit to become a more contemplative, more compassionate and more courageous church for the building of your kingdom the glory of your Son.
that these lovely people are going to be here for a few minutes after. If you wanted to ask them specific questions or wanted to encourage them, give them a gold star or something like that. Just feel free to do that. Thank you. Friends, thank you very much for being among us today and for sharing some uh, of your experience with us. It has been very encouraging to hear all of that. Uh, we're going to continue to pray. Let us pray. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If someone's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. Father God, that's what we've been hearing about today. About that work of encouragement. And as we were hearing, helping human beings become all that they truly are. And where are you in all of this? You are in the listening. You are in the presence of one human being with another. You are in the gentleness of the handling of the person. Thank you for all that you are doing with and through our friends here. May their ministry truly be an encouragement to them as it has been to us. We pray, Lord, for all those who are struggling in whatever way. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're sick in body or sick in mind or sick in spirit. We pray that you will bring someone alongside just to help them and to encourage them. We pray for all those who are in employment that wish they were not. And for those who are not in employment that wish they were. These are contrary times, difficult for so many. Pray for family relationships. We heard of one 
who is at odds within their own family. And we know how difficult that can be. We pray for all who feel that they are at odds within their own family and pray, Prince of Peace, that you will come and that you will hold them, that you will lead and guide. We pray for all those who have lost loved ones within our own fellowship. We particularly think of Irene Lever's family. I pray that you will draw near to them, particularly in this coming week. We pray that they might know your peace, the peace that passes all human understanding. Guard their hearts and minds, we pray. We just take a minute to think of all of our friends and neighbours in all of the diversity of their life circumstance, some rejoicing, some mourning, some wrestling with ill health, some full of the joys. And we pray, Lord, that you might meet them in all of their circumstance. And if you want to use us to introduce them to you, then we stand ready. Just say the word, Lord. We gather up all of our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Friends, we sing our closing song together before the throne of God above. If you're able, please stand.